and welcome to the Christian Formation Podcast. I'm Raven, and I'm here with Andrew, one of our pastors at Providence Church. The goal of this podcast is to form disciples to live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. Today, we're discussing Old Testament law. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 150. Congrats. It's a milestone. I know. But what's also interesting is on Sunday, we read Psalm 150. So this must just be the magic number for the week. I guess so. That is crazy that we've had 150. I will say when we were thinking about this fall and what to talk about, every once in a while, I get this in my mind of like, I don't know how in the world we still have things to talk about. Yeah, it is kind of interesting, and especially because we don't repeat any topics, really. I mean, no, our mission's Apart week. from a couple, yeah, yeah, but for the most part, it's always a different topic. I mm. don't know how we will have any more things to say. <laughs> I think we'll always have something to I say. I don't know how, though. Well, think about it. I know, We're but sometimes when we talk about episodes, I'm like, I literally don't know what to talk about next. Yeah. And we always come up with something. I know. God's God brings something to mind. <laughs> Were you not sure if it was God? No, I was. I just didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night. So I think my words are going to come out a little bit jumbled. So have grace, especially for a really big topic like the one we have today. Which is what, Raven? God's law. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Doesn't that sound so ominous? Which it shouldn't. I don't know. What do you think about when you think about the law? Well, growing up, being in and around the church, but not really understanding the gospel or anything, I feel like the law was mostly what Christianity was about. Honestly, Mm -hmm. like when I thought about Christianity, it was there's a God who has things for you to do and things that you shouldn't do. And that the Bible is mostly telling you that. Yeah. And I would say that was probably my whole understanding of Christianity. So not even just the law. And then after I became a Christian and understood the gospel, I felt like the law, I think I was probably taught this, that the law is really only there to show you God's perfect standard and you're bad. Like you don't live up to it. And that's the only thing that the law is supposed to do. And so that's not really that like motivating to read the Old Testament law. Cause at that point I'm like, yeah, I know I'm a sinner. So why do I need to go read Leviticus talking about Mm. random laws and things that you should and shouldn't do that don't really make sense to me anyway. And I already know I'm a sinner. So I think I felt like it was unnecessary maybe mm-hmm. and yeah. not that fun to read that's something that i grew up with too the law showed you how sinful you were and that you don't stand up to a holy god but somewhere along the way i learned that that idea makes the whole idea of jesus and his perfect salvation better and so reading those laws actually reminds me oh well jesus fulfilled these so that i don't have to on my own like i don't have to go sacrifice an animal so Somewhere along the way, once I realized how it connected to Jesus, it became a lot better. Why does it feel ominous or... Daunting. Daunting, yeah. Like, why does it just... When you think, or when you say the words, God's law, why does it automatically have this, like, weight or, like, almost like a dark cloud that, like, comes with it? I think it's because of what we said similarly either last week or the week before, that a lot of times when we think of God, especially the God of the Old Testament, which is the same God throughout the Bible, but just for this conversation, the God of the Old Testament sometimes is seen as just wrathful and vengeful. And then it's almost as if his character shifts because his son comes into the picture later. And so I wonder if there's something to do with that where God feels ominous. What do you think? I'm wondering about like, 
law in our society or like mm-hmm. police force that enforce the law. It also makes me think of like a father figure that enforces the law. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't seem super, at least depending on how you grew up, that doesn't seem super loving. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and nobody like loves the police as they're enforcing laws upon you or something. You know, like I'm just trying to think through when we all operate under laws, whether they're like stated laws in our government and society, whether it's at your workplace, there's just rules, things you do, things you don't do. But there's something about as that transitions to God's law that just feels a little different naturally, which I think part of our hope in this episode is to maybe take that down a little Mm -hmm. bit and to show it is a weighty thing, but it's not like a dark thing or something we have to almost kind of try to navigate around as Christians. But the psalmists say, I think it's in Psalm 19, that the law is like as sweet as honey to him. Mm. And somehow we have to make sense of that. Or David says that he like meditates on the law and he's like, he sits there in his bed and he's thinking about the law and it's sweet to him. Yeah, I don't know many Christians that would say that, but somehow that's true. Mm -hmm. So we have to somehow see in the Old Testament, how can there be all of these laws? And then you have David say, and I just think about them and I love them and they're sweet to me. Yeah. I think this whole entire series during this semester is going to be a lot of rewriting. So for me, rewriting the law that it's actually good or thinking about God and his character in the Old Testament as actually really loving. So I hope that's probably the same for other people that are listening. Yeah. And I think one thing I'll say on this too is when we read, which most of us read the New Testament more, and when we read the New Testament, maybe we read John or a gospel, but we also really like the epistles, like the letters. And so you have Galatians and Romans and different letters by Paul where he does talk a lot about like how the law is not helpful in certain ways, and it can seem like he's basically just saying the law is bad. So I think that's also a part of mm. probably not only just our upbringing, culture, how we view the Old Testament law, but also then when we focus on Romans and a lot of the chapters are basically saying the law is not helpful in the way that you think it is, we automatically say, oh yeah, the law is bad. And so I think all those different factors make us have a wrong perception of it. So so Raven, help us to start reframe how we think about the law in the Old Testament. Well, first I think it'd be helpful to talk about what the law is. So when we say the Old Testament law, what does that mean? I just asked you. I know, but I just flipped it on you. So Andrew, how would you define the Old (laughs) Testament law? I can break down the categories, but if you could just give us what that would look like. Yeah. So the, the word that's most often used for law in the Old Testament is Torah, which maybe some, some people know like the first five books of the Bible or specific sections, we talk about the Torah, uh, which just means law. But one of the interesting things is when we think of that, we can think immediately just rules, do's, don'ts, this kind of weighty, like you follow this or you're going to get punished. But another way to think about it in more of like a Hebrew sense, which is the language that this was written in and in their culture, Torah does mean like written kind of rule book. So it's like, you know, a list of things to do and not do, but it's not so much in this like punishment wrath sense, but more you could think about it in like a way of living or like you could sometimes translate the word Torah as like the ways. So when you think of the law of God, you could say it as like the ways of God. So the way that he has set up the world to function. Mm -hmm. And in another way, I think that's helpful to, kind of capture it is it's not so much just external 
things that God likes and doesn't like, but it's kind of his heart externally said. The law is really revealing for us his way of life or his heart for people and how we should operate together. Hmm. I think that's a helpful definition. Growing up, I knew it was the first five books of the Bible, but I didn't really know that, oh, that's what we mean when we talk about God's law. Because when I was looking it up, I just looked more into the categories of those laws, which would be their civil laws, ceremonial laws, and moral laws. What do those mean? I know. So civil laws just (laughs) apply to daily living, kind of similarly to the civil laws that we would have today, but basically for that area, for that town. And then ceremonial laws applied more so to Israel's worship. And those are the ones that changed with the coming of Christ. And then the last one, moral laws applied to the people as the direct command of God. So with moral laws, we'd most likely think of the Ten Commandments which we still follow today. So, okay, so you're so civil. Yeah. That word like you think like civics or civil government. That's like the public national laws that basically structure Israel as a nation. Yeah, so if you think about for example, when I was looking this up, one of these blog sites had Deuteronomy 24:10 through 11 listed. It basically has a description of loans that you would make to your neighbor. And it says, stay outside and let the neighbor to whom you are making the loan bring the pledge out to you. So that's so specific to the actual civil laws in that area. We wouldn't necessarily follow that civil law today, but we would follow the principle or whatever that's trying to communicate. Why wouldn't we follow that today? Great question. Modern society is so different from that time and setting. And so the specifics of those guidelines can't be followed, but those principles behind the guidelines can, whether that's talking about generosity or loving your neighbor well. Yeah. Yeah. And because Israel functioned as a theonomy. So God was like Hmm. the leader of this nation. So his rules just like our government sets laws, that's kind of what God was doing for that people. So we as Americans have civil laws that we follow. They as the nation of Israel had civil laws like that, that they followed just to construct societal life together. So then what's ceremonial? Ceremonials, so that's about like worship of God? Yep, so like Leviticus 1, 2, and 3 was an example that I was reading and it was talking about When anyone brings an offering to the Lord, bring it as an animal from either the herd or the flock. And it's actually going into what it looks like to make a sacrifice to God, which thankfully we don't have to do today after Jesus came. Yeah. So that's like dealing with like the temple and Mm -hmm. being clean and unclean and the sacrificial system and stuff to basically help them get into the presence of God and worship him. Right. Which for us today those actually point to Christ and that he fulfilled all of those things so that we don't have to. Yeah. And then the moral law is different because those are what exactly, like how are they exactly different from the civil laws? If those are also structuring like a society. Yeah. It was hard for me to think about, but also it makes sense, I guess. One, Jesus obeyed the moral law completely. I don't know. I feel like they're just truths that transcend everything else, like not to covet or not to murder. I don't know. What would you say? Yeah, I think the main distinction is that is like a broad, again, way of life. That's like the heart of God for people to like live into Mm -hmm. where the civil is specifically dealing with what we might think, again, more of like 
governmental national structures that help, you know, even like law and order justice. How do we like bring judgments and stuff in those cases are more of the civil law for Israel as a nation. Moral law is yeah, more just broadly. This is a way of life for us to live Mm -hmm. that is God honoring godly and within his character. Cause again, I think the other thing that, or maybe let me say this again. Again, I think the main thing that's helpful for us when we think about law is to maybe reframe it as like the ways of God or like his heart and and character displayed in life, like in hmm. the way of life. So as he tells us to be, you, you mentioned to be generous or how we like carry out justice or things like that in life. Well, that's his heart and character that he's communicating to us through his way of life that we now live into. Right. So then I feel like when people ask, what's the importance of the law? It's really just that, right? Communicating God's heart and the principles behind the law are what we're supposed to focus on every day. Yeah, I think that's huge. I think one of the things that we miss in it is exactly that, that when we read the law, we're actually reading God's heart and Hmm. character and the way of life that we should have, like characteristics about us that should be true. So here's what happens oftentimes. We are reading, like you said, principles that are given in these like case study examples. So they're very specific examples a lot of times, but the hard work is finding out what's the like principle underneath Hmm. that because there's certain laws that just don't apply today because it's in another time period in a different society. And so there's certain things that just don't make as much sense today, but the principles behind them really do. And so I think that's the hard work of the law that obviously we don't have time in a 30 minute podcast to like explain all of that. But just as, as we're trying to give overviews here and kind of starting to reshape, I think that's the main thing with the law is it's not just oh, this is an interesting thing for this time period thousands of years ago, or it's a boring thing, or it seems like a really rigid or harsh thing, or whatever we think of when we read these laws. There's always principles underneath them that do transcend because they are telling us the ways of God and how he wants people to live. Can we just give one example to people who are thinking, okay, I'm currently reading the Old Testament or I would like to read the Old Testament, but I don't know how to glean the overall principle from the law. Can you show me how to do that? Yeah. So there is one example that's really helpful because Paul actually does it for us in the New Testament. He takes what feels like an obscure, random Old Testament law, and he takes the principle out and applies it into a modern context. So I think it's helpful for us. So in Deuteronomy 24, there's this list and it's called miscellaneous laws. So Mm -hmm. literally we're getting what can feel like random laws that are being told to the people of Israel. And that goes into Deuteronomy 25. And in Deuteronomy 25, four, it says this, you shall not muzzle an ox when it is treading out the grain. Okay, so it's this law, it says, don't muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain. So we can read that today and think that doesn't really apply to most of us. Right. We don't have ox. A lot of us aren't farmer. Like it can feel like, okay, that's a random law for then. I don't know how that applies. So Paul in first Timothy five, he's talking about elders or leaders in the church and how we can honor them or how the church should like function with their elders. And in five seventeen, he says, 
Elders who lead effectively are worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. So there's his little like command. He says, we should honor our leaders, but especially the ones who preach and teach, we should give double honor, which a lot of people think you should pay them basically. So the church should pay their pastors who are preaching and teaching. Verse 18, he says, for the scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. So he's quoting this miscellaneous law in Deuteronomy and saying, that is why you should pay your pastors today. What? So I'm thinking, is it because the ox would be, I don't know what if treading out the grain means, but it's probably helping people. But then by muzzling the ox, it can't eat. So it's like it can eat while it's doing the work for you. Yeah. So the the principle I think would be, yeah, so the, the ox is doing this work for you. So it's helping you. It's benefiting you. And to muzzle it is essentially not caring for it. So you are essentially using it to do work for you, but you're not actually caring for it. The law says you should not do that to your animals. How much more then should humans who the Old Testament says has even more dignity and value because we're made in the image of God, would you not want to like crush or use humans to do things for you, but then not help them or honor them by giving them what they deserve? So if the ox is helping you get food and benefiting you, well, don't not feed them because they're working for you. Paul says, we're going to take that quote, not use it literally, but say the principle behind that is the same. So if you have a leader in the church who is primarily, you know, you could say feeding you at the word, but leading, caring for you, preaching for you, don't muzzle it. Like don't not care for them. You should actually be paying them because they are like benefiting you and we should be honoring to people who are helpful for us. And so he's taking this miscellaneous law and he's saying, yeah, the principle applies in this context. And so I think you could even remove it out a little bit from that. And we could say Christians and businesses, if you have employees that are working hard for you and benefiting you as a boss or your company, you should honor them by paying them well, like take care of them, make sure they're doing well emotionally and like just in a healthy place in life because you shouldn't muzzle an ox while they're treading out the grain. While they're working for you and helping you, don't stifle them. And so he's taking this law and he's saying the principle will apply to a lot of different situations in life. Oof, kind of convicting. Helpful, especially for pastors or people that are spending a lot of time to help their church and reminding the church that it is a family and that everyone has responsibility. Yeah, and I think what's so helpful about that is he gives us that direct correlation. But again, I don't think that that Ox law only speaks to pastors. When you see in the Old Testament, laws are centered around, especially in Exodus, around caring for the foreigners, the mm-hmm. poor, the widows, the orphans. The New Testament picks that up too. James says that true religion or true following God is to care for the widows and orphans. He's picking up a similar theme in Exodus and saying the principle is God has a heart for those who are in need. And so we can take these laws where they give specific examples of how to care for a widow or in what situations, what you do. And those aren't just random old laws. It's actually showing us the character of God Mm. in that he cares deeply and wants to help those who are helpless. You know, there's a saying that sometimes, unfortunately, gets attributed to the Bible, the idea of like, God helps those who help themselves. The Old Testament law actually says, no, God helps those who are helpless. Mm. And the New Testament picks up on that. And we know that character of God, not just because he gives us a statement that says, I help those who are helpless. 
He actually gives us a lot of laws and ways of life that says, this is who I am, so this is who you should be as a people. We can take these case studies, or like the Ox Law, they can feel random and old, but you see the heart of God saying, hey, don't be cheap and don't abuse people, like care for them really well, because that's the heart of God, and therefore that should be the heart of God's people. And we see that through these laws. Hmm. I love that. And I love that. You're right. It's not just applicable to pastors in the way that Paul uses it, but it's actually applicable to a lot of people. But more importantly, it shows you the heart of God. And I think that makes the Old Testament law beautiful. And maybe one step further than that, and not just, it does show us the heart of God. It also shows us how we are to live. In the New Testament, in Matthew 22, there's a guy who comes up to Jesus and says, what's the greatest commandment? We got 600 commandments and rules. What's the greatest one that we have? Jesus sums up in Matthew 22, all of the law, like all of what this is by saying, you should first love the Lord your God. And second, you should love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. You should love God and you should love the people around you. And he says that is summing up all of these laws. So when we read these Old Testament laws, we can know they really fall into two buckets. It's Mm -hmm. loving the Lord, worshiping him, honoring him, and making sure we care for those around us, which is exactly, again, the heart of God and therefore the heart of his people, that we would honor him and that we would love others. And so I think when we think of the law, instead of seeing it as old rule books to follow or old, obscure, random things that we shouldn't follow anymore. We can see them as helping us see that our call really is to like love God, honor him, and to love our neighbor and those around us. Yeah. Not only does Jesus say that, but he actually says that he came back to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. And so if the law is to love our neighbor and love God, we see Jesus do that perfectly. And that's how we can act today. So what would be one final exhortation that you would give to people who are going to start wading into this? Well, the main thing I think is to not be scared by the law and actually just start reading in the Old Testament. Again, we've talked about the narrative and how you just have to keep reading it to pick some of that stuff up. Same thing with the law. I think it's helpful to note that Jesus says those really are the two buckets. So as you're reading laws, you have from Jesus categories to put them in. So they don't have to be random things. We know that this somehow helps people love God and love our neighbors. And so as you're reading the laws, you can start to at least have broad categories that help you think, how would this help people love God? Or how does this actually help people love their neighbor? Which is not going to be easy. I don't mean to say that because there are some obscure laws or even the Ox Law. You'd read that right away and you're like, how in the world does that help me? So it's going to take time and practice. But as with all of these that we're going to talk about, all these different genres, you're just not going to get better at it unless you just start reading. So I think read it and know somehow these laws are pointing to those two categories. And even if it's you read a whole chapter of laws and one of them you find out, oh, I see how this helps me love God, or I see why this is God telling us to care for the vulnerable or people around me. Great. You take that one and then you keep moving on and you don't have to get them all right, right away. You're just slowly working through that. And the last thing I would say is this is more just practically. You mentioned that 
you know, Jesus did fulfill the law by both loving God and dying to like love us to the point of saving us. Romans 13, eight says, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. And so I think for us, you know, Jesus said the same thing. They will know that we are his by how we love one another. And so when we think about, okay, how do I actually live out the ways of God or the law of God or the heart of God? The New Testament is pretty clear. It really is about loving him and loving other people. So we can come up with how to do that and we can figure out all the unique ways at the core to fulfill the law and to do what God says is to love. Thank you for joining us today. The goal of the Christian Formation Podcast is to live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. Please like this, rate it, review it, share it so that it can get out to more people. If you have any questions, email us at formation at providenceomaha.org. We'll see you next week.